You're listening to the UI podcast by the Swedish Institute of International Affairs. Good morning, everybody. This cold morning, but a warm welcome to everybody. Uh, we have very important topics to discuss today. It's extremely timely, as you know, everybody. This is going to be co-arranged between uh, Swedish Institute for International Affairs by Amnesty in Sweden and by the Right Livelihood Award Foundation, who has given three Saudi human rights defenders the award today. Before I will introduce our main speaker here, I will just tell you some practicalities. My name is Bitta Hammargren. I'm now with the Swedish research, uh, Defense Research Agency, and this was previously my workplace. Um, I am still a uh, senior associate uh, fellow of the Swedish Institute of International Affairs. Uh, I think there are some people in the audience who are going to another seminar at 10 o'clock, and I just want to tell you, you don't need to rush because they will leave time for you to go from one hall to the other at 10 o'clock. So, having said that, it's, um, it's time to introduce our main speaker, and it's time also to welcome uh, the wife of one of the laureates, uh, Mrs. Maha Al-Kahtani. Special welcome to you. And to... And now over to Mr. Yahya Asiri. You are a Saudi human rights defender based in London. You have a very interesting background. You've been with the Saudi Air Force, I understand. And you know the three laureates in person. But can you tell us a little more about yourself? Thank you very much for you and for the organizer and for everyone here. Uh, Myself, my name is Yahya Asiri. I used to work for the Saudi uh, Air Force in the past. And when we got uh, the access to the internet in 2000, I started to write anonymously in the internet, writing about uh, the poverty in Saudi Arabia, the difficulty for the Saudi society, asking questions why we are struggling inside very rich country and very big land and uh, low at the, uh, la, uh, the number of Saudis, they are not a lot, they are just 20 million. Why you are struggling? This is questions, it came to me when we got the access for first time to talk together as Saudis. Uh, before the internet came to Saudi Arabia, we don't have any access to talk together. We don't allow to, to speak together. We don't know what's going on inside our country because we just have one narrative inside the country. And we can hear this narrative in the school and in the uh, Friday uh, religious speech and in the newspaper and in the TV. It's the same narrative, exactly the same. It's the narrative from the government. But later on, when we get the internet, we start... Uh, at that time, we started to ask questions and we started to communicate all together and we started to understand what's going on a little bit. From time to time, uh, the, the, answer, uh, the questions got answered. There is issue and our issues, it's from the, our government. And at that time, we started to know each other as uh, activists and as people asking for reforms. And I continued at that time to work in the morning uh, with the Air Force with my name, Yahya Asiri. But 
in the uh, night when I go back to my home, I start my activity on the internet by nickname anonymously by Abu Faris, which is a nickname at that time. And when I got lots of readers when I write in the internet, that's encouraged me and that's uh, telling me the people want this writer, uh, this, uh, these articles and people uh, uh, waiting for the next article. This is really encouraging and we keep doing these works and we came know each others uh, within the years. For example, Walida Walkher, one of, of the winners, we met for first time in 2007 at the house for a person, his name, uh, Saud al-Hashimi. Saud al-Hashimi at that time, he gathered people inside his house. He invited us through the internet to his house and for first time we met and we talked together and we said, you are writing with this anonymous name, my real name is that. And we keep telling each other about the, uh, the real names and we are, where we are working at what we are doing. Uh, but before that, there were uh, some people, they were brave and they, uh, they already take the risk to do uh, some work and to ask reforms, not just on the internet, on the ground like Abdullah Hamid and other people, they already have been in presence for several times before that. So uh, when we came as a new generation in the internet, we at that time inspired by those people, they uh, already before us and be before the internet as well. Uh, late on 2009, I traveled to UK for course. And at that time I believed uh, our Air Force and uh, our government will not take any war because this was the behavior for Saudi Arabia. They don't want wars and they avoided that in the past. But when I traveled to UK for course with the Saudi Air Force, 2009-2010, at that time they started the first war against Yemen. And at that time I recognized that our government can committed war crimes. And I could be as uh, Air Force officer, sorry, I could be as Air Force officer part of that. Then when I traveled back to my country, I asked for resign. And I said to my friends, uh, Walid Abulkhair and other activists, I can't continue working as anonymous when you are very brave and working by your names and using your names. I will resign from the Air Force to be free and to work with you. I resigned later on from the Air Force. Then I traveled in 2013 to study uh, the human rights, to do my postgraduate in, in the human rights. And I meant, and I wanted to, uh, to study uh, the, the human rights and travel back to work in, in my country. But in 2013, the, uh, the repression increased inside my, my country and they arrested Abdullah Al-Hamid and Mohammed Fahd Al-Qahtani and other members of ACPRA and they investigated Walid Abulkhair. Later on, they arrested him in 2014. In the two years, 2013 and 2014, they arrested all uh, famous or uh, all uh, active uh, human rights defenders inside the country. That was a warn for me that to travel back to my country. Then I apply for asylum, and I continue my work from outside the country by my real name, Yahya Asiri. Thank you. Um, I also had the um, privilege to meet uh, two of the laureates here, and this is the, the husband of uh, Mrs. Maha Al-Khatani. 
This was uh, a picture from 2011 when, at the time, he was acting as a professor of economy. He was also training Saudi diplomats. He had a very official position and defending political prisoners at the same time. Incredible. You can see how things have changed in Saudi Arabia. And he, uh, as you said, inspired so many. And I also met with uh, the lawyer, Walid Abul Khair. This picture is taken just a few weeks before he was sent to prison. And I remember how much he spoke about how the other two gentlemen, uh, Dr. Abdul Al-Hamid and Al-Katani, inspired him. So maybe we can just say a few more words about uh, Abdul Al-Hamid, what, I mean, what he meant for others paving the way for other human rights defenders. Abdul Al-Hamid and Muhammad Fahad Al-Katani, just inspired Walid Abul Khair or inspired me. They inspired large number of people in Saudi Arabia. So they are not just human rights defenders, but they are a model for the new generation in Saudi Arabia. And in the past, the Saudi government, they keep telling the world, the Saudi society, they are all conservative and they are happy from the government and they don't want any reform and they don't want the human rights because it is Western values and we don't want it. But later on, with the work from Abdullah Al-Hamid and Muhammad Fahd Al-Qahtani, Akbar members, Walid Abul Khair, the world start to recognize the society, they are not really happy from what's going on and they are looking also for reform and looking for the human rights like other people around the world. So Abdullah Al-Hamid, when we look for a person who entered the prison for six times and he spent in the prisons uh, around 20 years inside prison, Every time he entered the prison and he, when they freed him, they came back to ask for the same reform. And he came back to ask for constitution for the government, asking for freedom of speech. From time to time, he keep uh, going with the, with the same values. He never changed. This really inspired everyone who admire for, uh, for reform inside the country. Uh, Abdullah Al-Hamid and Muhammad Fahd Al-Qahtani and Akbar member for the new generation. I can notice that in, in Twitter, large number of people, especially girls uh, and young girls, when they write their names in Twitter, she writes her name and after that, uh, she writes Hasim or Akbra. That means she's supporting Hasim. And Akbra is the human rights organization that they founded. Exactly, they found sorry, they founded the Akbra, the organization for Abdullah Al-Hamid and Muhammad Al-Qahtani and nine others. All of them right now behind the bars and all of them they sentenced for uh, in total uh, 20 years behind the bars. Maybe you can say something, what type of reforms they are calling for? Uh, it, they, I mean, they, they're not against the monarchies as such, they're calling for a constitutional monarchy. Can you explain? type of reforms that they are calling yeah. uh, when they ask for constitutional monarchy we don't have constitution in in, in our country and the government they are, are trying to use any tools and everything around to uh, enhance the regime and to enhance the dictator regime so they used the religion as well to enhance people uh, to enhance their power and to say to the people, you must obey the rulers and you must listen to the rulers. And those people like Abdullah Al-Hamid and Walid Abul Khair, and they are against you, against your culture, against your religion. 
And they targeted those people first things by the religion. So when we asked for constitution, they said, no, the Quran is the institution. The Quran is holy book, it's not constitution. And when we ask, there is simple question from Abdullah al-Hamid and his friends. They always ask this question. Do we have traffic law? Do you uh, stop at the uh, red lights? If people say yes. Is that important? Yes, it's important. Is that written in the Quran? They said no. It's written by people. So we need to write our constitution. We need to write the law. We need something written to go uh, with it and to follow it and to know the relation between uh, the, the, the ruler and the king and the, the people. And one day they sent uh, a draft for constitution. They sent it for religious group. They are Wahhabism working for the government. And they said, no, this is forbidden. This is against the religion. We don't need uh, constitution. It's against our religion and we have the Quran. And they said, okay, let's we change the cover for the draft constitution. And they, they wrote in the new cover, they said, this is the agreement between the king and the people to lead the country and to know what's our rights and what's their rights. It's just agreement. It's not constitution. We don't want constitution. We just want this agreement. They said, no, you are lying to us, this constitution. They said, okay, it's, it's agreement. Call it what do you want to call it. If you uh, want to threat people or to warn people from the constitution. Uh, but later on, everyone inside the country, especially the new generation, they recognize that the government, they are using this as a tools. And right now, Mohammed bin Salman, he recognized that the new generation, they feel fed up from using the religion to silence people. So he's uh, he trying to use the reform to silence the people as well. He said, okay, I will do the reform. I promise you to do the reform, but keep silent until I finish my reform. In 2030, we will talk together. But right now, from now to 2030, you need to, be, to keep silent. And he arrested everyone can criticizing the vision. Anyone criticizes the vision, he, uh, he's behind the bars right now. And anyone uh, made pressure on the government, like, for example, the women rights activists, they put pressure on the government to have the rights for women to drive. It's a silly thing. It's very simple to have women to, uh, to, to drive the car. And they paid the price for more than 30 years to have this rights. It's basic things. And it's and understandable, we don't understand why the government not allow the women to drive the car. Nothing uh, wrong with that. And when they allow women to drive the car, they go back and arrested all women rights activists and all people stand with, the, with there. And they are all behind the bars. And right now, they are tortured in the prisons just because they ask for the rights and they force the government to get its rights. And those are the women who should be honored because they paved the way for the reform of driving. And uh, one of them is uh, Samar Badawi, who is the ex-wife of the lawyer Walid Abul Khair. And um, she uh, was pregnant when he was sent to prison. And this is with her beautiful little daughter, Jude, who never saw her father outside prison. She's now four years old. And now this little girl has both her mother and father inside prison. So what is the situation for her, the little girl? The situation for Jude, <clears throat> Jude suffering from the repression and from the dictator regime 
more than anyone else, more than her father and her mother. Uh, her father, Walid Abu Khair, he arrested in April 2014, uh, and when uh, summer, still in the month seven, uh, she, she was still pregnant in month seven. So uh, after he arrested two months, uh, uh, Jude born at that time. So he, she, uh, she haven't seen her father outside of the prison. Later on in, in last year, the government, they ride the house for Samar Badawi when she was living alone with Jude at 1 a.m. And they asked her to leave the house with the daughter Jude uh, outside the house. And there were very high lights, uh, uh, very strong lights, which is used in the films or in the TV shows outside the house. And she was standing in front of these lights uh, with Jude in her lap. And there's, uh, there were uh, several officers and military with the, gun, uh, with the guns in front of her. Jude was crying at 1 a.m. She don't know what's going on. And they told someone not to talk at all and keep waiting while they are investigating and looking for the house. They keep waiting until 3 a.m. At 3 a.m., after two hours, standing with her daughter outside in the street in Jeddah, after two hours, uh, Walid's mom, she came and they found her. When she came to, to, the, uh, to them, they arrested her and they take the mom in the car. And they said, we will arrest you as, as well. She said, why? Then later on, they said to her, okay, we will free you just to take care for Jude. But if you tell anyone what's going on here, or if you tell anyone we arrested Samar, we will take you as well to the prison. They gave Jude to Walid's mom, and they freed her to take care of Jude, uh, of Jude and they, are, they arrested Samar Padawi. Samar Padawi, one of the people who have been tortured in the last few days. That's very heartbreaking to hear. I mean, it's not something you can be neutral to when, when you hear about these things. But from another note, do you think that the award given by Right Livelihood Award Foundation does have a meaning for the prisoners. Yes, it does. And, and it does mean a lot. This is because what's going on in Saudi Arabia, it's keep covered all the time. Why it's keep covered? The, 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 the regime in Saudi Arabia, it's not dictator like any other dictator regime around the world, but it's dictator and very wealthy country. And they use this money for corruption and to pay for the poor country to support the Saudi regime and to pay for the rich country for arms deal and contracts and such of things to keep them silent as well. Business and investors around the world, they feel Saudi Arabia is the place for money. So nobody wants to talk about Saudi Arabia and the PR for Saudi regime, it's, it's really success. So they are dictators and they success to hide what's going on inside. <coughs> so, remind me the question, no, sorry. No, 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 it's okay. I I and I will also give time for the audience to ask questions, so, you know. I, I don't think I answered the question, did I answer it? Well, you answered the question is whether the award has a meaning for the inmates. Yeah, so uh, if there is any highlight in any of the violations inside the country, this is really help. 
because the government, they want to silence everyone inside and also everyone outside. But such of things, such of uh, a world like this, this really highlights what's going on inside Saudi Arabia because large number of people, they are asking right now, who is Abdullah al-Hamid and who is Muhammad al-Qahtani and who is Walid al-Khair? They are going to Wikipedia or going to the, their Twitter accounts and asking about them. And they have seen them asking about human rights, fundamental human rights, and asking for reforms, and asking for something basic, like constitution. And they are behind the bars by saying they are uh, abusing the reputation for the government or contacting uh, the enemy for the government, contacting foreigners, and who are the foreigners? The, one of the crime for uh, Mohammed al-Qahtani is contacting the UN and giving bad information about the country. And we are saying who is abusing the reputation for the government is the repression regime, not the people who are, who, uh, who are trying to stop the repression. So if anyone inside the prison and nobody asks about him, that make the opportunity for the government to torture him and to repress, uh, repress him more. But if there is highlight and if, there, uh, if the world asks about him and if there is question about him, this really help because the government will start to feel worried about violations and torture, and the situations go less worse than before. I, I can't say bitter, but it's less worse than before. So such a pressure, it's really help for uh, not just for the winners, but help for also for the uh, general atmosphere inside the country. And now to Jamal Khashoggi. Uh, the Saudi journalist. I don't need to tell you more about who he is. Everybody is well aware about it. This is a picture from uh, Riyadh where I met him in 2011 when he was really a man of honor in the, supported by many important princes at the time. Now, we get information from the outside about uh, the leaks about what happened inside the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. How is the case understood in Saudi Arabia? large number of people, especially the pro-government people, they don't believe what's happened to Jamal Khashoggi and they keep criticizing us and criticizing everyone talked about Jamal Khashoggi and said Jamal Khashoggi have been killed in the first days. When Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince, and Khalid bin Salman, his brother, the ambassador in the United States, when they said, no, Jamal Khashoggi, he left the consulate. But large number of people, they believe that. and. Uh, one of the most uh, famous uh, journalists in Saudi Arabia, his pro-government, and also his advisor for the king. He said, if Jamal Khashoggi killed, maybe mafia killed him. This is a behavior for mafia, to kill journalists outside your country. And he said, we know Qatar killed him because Qatar wants to make trouble for Saudi Arabia. And he said, if Qatar killed Jamal Khashoggi or any country, he mean any country by Turkey or Qatar, any country killed Jamal Khashoggi, this country it doesn't deserve to call it country. We must call them gang. And right now the question for him, is Saudi government gang? Can we call them country or no? So lots, large number of people, they surprised what's happened to Jamal Khashoggi. It's, it's really surprised people around the world. When the Saudi regime, committed lots of crimes and violations. A lot of people around the world, 
they don't aware about it. And large number of media, they don't cover it as well. And when Mohammed bin Salman uh, did his PR, also a lot of media, they cover it and they uh, went with him in the propaganda. Uh, the uh, tragedy, uh, crimes in Yemen, it doesn't got the cover, uh, the, the, the deserved coverage. Uh, a lot of people, they are still silent about Yemen. And when the, when the government arrested uh, all human rights defenders and uh, all reformers, not everyone talked about it. When they arrested prime minister for another country, Saad al-Hariri, also nobody, uh, not everyone talked about it. And he haven't been freed until there is pressure from EU countries. And, but what's happened to Jamal Khashoggi, this surprised the world. And this is uh, telling the world we are facing a person is really dangerous and he have overconfident and he don't think about his steps and he can't do anything. He really can't do anything. He committed the crime in Yemen in just one night and we can't solve it. There is no solution right, uh, right now for Yemen. Also, if they stop the war in Yemen, it's already destroyed and the Yemenis already hate each other. So the solution is completely difficult. There is no solution for the issues made by Mohammed bin Salman. I believe right now, the words right now, they believe if Mohammed bin Salman have not paid the price for what's happened to Jamal and what's happened before Jamal, he will continue to surprise us from crime to crime. And the next, uh, the next victim, it must it not must be Saudi journalist. It could be another journalist from any other country who criticizing Mohammed bin Salman. And the other victim, not must be the prime minister for Lebanon, could be another prime minister from another country because this person is dangerous and he believes he is powerful and he believes because he has money, he can do anything. So what, what I believe, this is the moment to put pressure on this person, at least to get rid of this person and to do some reforms inside the country, at least to get satisfaction for, from the people inside the country and to get stability for the country. This thing, it can guarantee we will have stability and we will have some rights. But if Mohammed bin Salman continue in his position, I'm 100% sure we will have a person who's more dangerous than Muammar Gaddafi. And what type of pressure are you then calling for from the outside? Mohammed bin Salman and the royal family, they are inside the country, they are weak. Why they are weak? Because they are not elected. Nobody chosen them. And in the history, they don't have old history with the country. And people inside the country, they are not believing in them. But they're taking power from the repression and from the money and from the Western allies. The Western allies, they always protecting them. And we have seen the PR, which is supported by Western allies. We have seen for example, Theresa May, the Prime Minister in the uh, UK, when she welcomed Mohammed bin Salman as a reformer, Macron, he did the same. This is, gave, the, uh, gave the Saudi authority lots of power. And uh, they are looking for legitimacy inside the country or outside the country. I'm not saying if there is pressure from outside that will limit the Saudi authority. Not just that, but if there is no support for the Saudi government, this thing, it's, it's, it's more than enough to put real pressure on them if there is no real support. But what we are looking for, 
if we ask, let's give examples and maybe uh, I don't mean the, the countries by, by the names, but it's just examples. If Germany decide tomorrow to stop the arms deal for Saudi Arabia, and France, for example, or UK take advantage from that, and they say to Saudi Arabia, okay, don't worry about Germany, we will sell more to you. That means Saudi Arabia will be become uh, more powerful because they can't challenge Germany and others, and they still have the arms deal. It's still available, and they still have uh, arms. And nothing wrong with Saudi Arabia, and the, the trouble it will be on Germany, not in Saudi Arabia. But if everyone have one position and all EU say, okay, we will stop the arms deal for Saudi Arabia, we all together, nobody will stop and the other will take the advantage from it, that will limitate them, and they can't continue the war in Yemen, and then they can't continue the stupid uh, repression and violations in the region. And what's happening in Yemen, it's not the first things happen. They did uh, quite the same in Bahrain while the Arab Spring. They targeted the, the revolution in Bahrain, and they shooting people inside the Bahrain, and they killed large number of people inside the Bahrain, and they started to target the Arab Spring from Bahrain. Then they destroyed the Arab Spring in Egypt, in Yemen, in Syria, and Syria started as a revolution. Later on, it became a civil war right now by uh, not just, uh, I'm not just claiming that because just Bashar, Bashar, he's criminal and so he got support from Iran and Russia. All of them, they are criminal, but also Saudi Arabia, they supported uh, some groups on the ground to make it from, um, from revolution, civil revolution to civil wars. So they destroyed the Arab Spring uh, completely in the region and they get support from the Western government. If the Western government and if the Western media stop supporting the Saudi government, they, the, they will lose a lot of power and they can't continue with that and they must get sat satisfaction from somewhere. If it's not from the Western allies, it should be from the region and it should be from the people. From the people by doing reform, from the region by stopping the crisis it's made from day to day. And we have seen the crisis which is made for Sweden and made for Canada and made for Norway as well, and for Qatar, and for Turkey. There's lots of crisis happened from Saudi regime because they still have powerful allies, not just Donald Trump. I'm not talking about Donald Trump because we know Donald Trump. He's trying as much as possible to protect Mohammed bin Salman, but I'm talking about European country. If there is one position from European country uh, to stop the arms deal and to stop welcoming Mohammed bin Salman and presented him as crown prince, and uh, to stop dealing with him as a reformer and as a person who can, uh, uh, can lead the country, this will put more pressure on them. Now, many are claiming that the House of Saudi is actually divided and, and, and that the, we can see some real, real signs of that. Maybe the fact that there will be a peace conference on Yemen held in Sweden uh, within shortly is one of the, those signs and others claim that the return of the uncle of Mohammed bin Salman, Prince Ahmed bin Abdulaziz from London to Riyadh recently is also a sign of divisions within the House of Saud because this uncle was against giving uh, Mohammed bin Salman the position as a crown prince. What is your take about that? 
Yeah. Is it a united house? It's not united right, right now. <clears throat> and the most powerful element inside the country in the past, it was three things. The first thing is by using uh, the religion and the united between the house of Al Saud and the Wahhabism. This united and this allies between these two elements. This is one of the strongest, uh, strongest tool to uh, empower the Saudi regime. The second thing, the united of the Saudi uh, royal family. The third, uh, the third things, the third element is the Western allies giving the legitimacy for the Saudi regime. The first thing, using Wahhabism and using religion to silence people. This one will not work in the future because the new generation, not like the old generation, when they are telling us in the past, it's forbidden to criticize the ruler. In the past, we used to believe. If uh, they say to us, we must be united behind the rulers and we must support the rulers and this is the religion, we used to believe. But the new generation, they are sarcasm about the scholars working for the government. And they, uh, they really, they don't have uh, credibility inside the country. I mean, the scholars, the Wahhabi scholars working for the government, they don't have any credibility with the new generation. They, they criticizing the, them more than the government. So they can't protect the government anymore. This is the first element. Second element, they united for the Al Saud family. They used to be very united. And in the past, if there's leaks, there's some issues between the family, uh, immediately we have seen videos or pictures. Uh, they are all together, they are united, they're supporting each other all the time. And they are very large number in the country. It's a very big family. Uh, right now with Mohammed bin Salman and his father, they started with a large uh, mass arrest for large, large number of Saudi royal family members. They arrested them and they taking them to Ritz Carlton. They taken money from them and they tortured some of them. So a large number of them, they lost, uh, they lost their power. And all the power right now is not divided between the royal family, it's just on, on one hand. King Salman and his son and nobody else. In the past it was divided between them. So we know the royal family, they are angry. Of course, they are angry because some of them, they have been tortured. And we heard uh, Prince Al-Walid bin Talal, the billionaire Al-Walid bin Talal, on Sky TV maybe two weeks ago. He was talking about Mohammed bin Salman very positively. And he said about Mohammed bin Salman, those people have been arrested in Ritz, they deserve it. And this step, uh, it is something positive and it must be happened. Uh, Nobody can believe a person who was in prison and tortured and his money taken say, okay, this is fine. It is good step because there is corruption. But he forced to say that. So we know they are under force, under pressure. But are they able to present it someone instead of Mohammed bin Salman? Are they able to say to the people inside the country, look, we can't do the replacement, like what's happened with King Saud and King Faisal. King Saud, we believe King Saud, he was trying to write constitution for the country, then there were a coup from King Faisal. But they, uh, they gathered together the royal family and they get rid of King Saud and they replaced him with King Faisal. So they can't do that again, but 
in the past, in the time for King Faisal, it was not in favor for the regime, it was, uh, not in favor for the country and for the people, it was in favor for the regime itself. Right now, they can do it for uh, their favor and also for the favor for people inside the country. They can gather together and say to people, we can guarantee some rights for you. We will free the prisoner of conscience. We will guarantee the freedom of speech for you. And we will write constitution for you. And we will replace King Salman and his son. This can't be work. And I believe all the world will support that. Internal and external, they will get support. But are they brave to do that or no? We don't know. Ahmed bin Abdelaziz, is he willing to give promises to the country? He will bring the stability. He will, um, he will guarantee some human rights. He will get satisfaction from people and also from the world because we know the world, not everyone. There is, yes, there is a large number of people they are aware about human rights and they're concerned about human rights, but not everyone. But we know everyone concerned about the stability. Also, when they want to deal with Saudi Arabia and to have contracts with Saudi Arabia, also they are looking for stability. But there is no stability with Mohammed bin Salman. So if they are looking for stability, and some of them and our society looking for the human rights, the human rights and stability can come with someone if there is a replacement in the royal family and if there is promises to the people. So it's just one step from the royal family, just one step forward, and things could be worked. Because if they leave Mohammed bin Salman alone, he can't do everything alone. But if they keep afraid from him and listen for Mohammed bin Salman. And if the world as well keep charming Mohammed bin Salman and be nice with him, this is not just dangerous for us as Saudi society, but it's dangerous also for the world and also for the royal family because they have been targeted as well. And right now we see actually contradictory messages coming out from Washington where uh, Trump is fully supporting uh, Mohammed bin Salman, but where his um, uh, people from the Republican Party in Congress are increasingly frustrated with this deep alliance with the crown prince. They want the alliance with the kingdom, maybe not with the crown prince. So what future do you see for the country? As a political view, it must be have a good ally with the country and with, with the, not with a person. Because this person, if he, if he loses the credibility, or, or if Donald Trump, for example, or any other politician, loses the trust from the country and builds the trust with Mohammed bin Salman. If Mohammed bin Salman not losing his power because of her, uh, pressure, maybe he will die tomorrow. So uh, Donald Trump or anyone puts all of the eggs Mm. on the basket for Mohammed bin Salman, he will lose. Mm. So uh, by having a lie with the, with the country and by uh, trying to uh, have good relation with the country, it's completely different, as you said, with have good relation with Mohammed bin Salman. But Donald Trump himself, he's trying to protect Mohammed bin Salman as like his son, maybe. or He's, he's really keen to protect him, but we believe the institutions in the United States, they are different than Trump, and they, they come make some pressure. And we have seen different positions from the Congress. It's different than Donald Trump. And we believe these pressures, at the end, it will end 
by something positive because if Mohammed bin Salman uh, released the, the position, if, if he, uh, if the royal family or if the Saudis get rid of Mohammed bin Salman, that will make the situation better because the replacement for him, it, he must be take some reforms. Mm. Otherwise, he will not get any credibility. He must take some reforms. But and it will be first time for the people to make pressure to get rid of one of the royal family. But if Mohammed bin Salman decide to continue in the power, and if the world keeps silent and Mohammed bin Salman continue in the power, he will be weak because a lot of people around the world, they don't want to deal with him. And people inside the country, they don't trust him. And if some countries want to keep going and deal with him, that will make more pressure on the countries itself. For example, if Theresa May received Mohammed bin Salman like last year, the opposition inside UK, they will use that. They will say, look, our prime minister, she is receiving killer who killed Jamal Khashoggi in the Saudi consulate. The, the, the position for the opposition in the United Kingdom, it will be more stronger than any time before. They can, they can debate, they have some material to use. And also NGOs, also the media. Anyone will deal with Mohammed bin Salman normally and feel normal to deal with him like before or try to present him as a reformer. He will be criticized and he will lose the credibility as well. So he's like the card which is already born and anyone will deal with him, he will born with him. Thank you, Yahya Siri. Uh, before we close, I will now leave floor, the floor for questions from the audience. And I will also, uh, at the end of this seminar, give the chance to our co-organizers co from Amnesty and from Right Livelihood Award Foundation to say something. Uh, but first, we will have the chance for some questions from the audience. Uh, I, we will pick three questions at a time, try to make them short, and please state your name and affiliation if you have one. Okay, you can take the. I'd like to ask you about uh, the links between the House of Saudi and uh, uh, the uh, Muslim faith. Uh, the Wahhabi the uh, uh, branch of, of Islam. We've uh, seen also in this country that funding has come uh, from, the, uh, uh, from Saudi Arabia for very um, tradition-bound purposes. So, but the question is concerning Saudi. <coughs> One lady in, in the third row, yes. Thank you, Linda Åkerström, Svenska Freds. Um, in Sweden, there is a long debate on Swedish arms trade and military cooperation with dictatorships. And as you said, it would be good to have a solution that would be more broad and EU-based. But so far, the discussions on EU arms embargoes or sanctions have been have not led to anything in the EU sessions. So what do you think Sweden should do about its arms export to Saudi and the coalition partners and other dictatorships also. Thank you. And the third question. Uh, my name is Elizabeth Farida Bullion, and I have worked closely with the Saudis for 10 years. So I can also claim that I have a little glimpse of how they think. Um, 
I see the kingdom as a place where authority emerges from a fatal embrace between the Al Saud family and the Wahhabi. And speaking of reforms, to begin with, Saudi Arabia does not have a constitution. The constitution of Saudi Arabia is the Quran. So I think any reform, any change in the kingdom must begin from there. Because as I observe, that any change or behavior of the, of the, the, the monarchy, the Al Saud family in Saudi Arabia, is a sign of who has the upper hand in Saudi Arabia. It is one that legitimizes the other, the Wahhabis and the Al Saud begin from there when we talk. Thank you. Now, we only have time for three questions now. If there's more time later. I will try to answer quickly. The relation between the Saudi regime or the Saudi royal family and the Wahhabism it started from when they founded the, the country, when there is agreement between Muhammad bin Saud and Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab. And the agreement, it was like that. Protect me and I will protect you. And use the politics to protect me and I will use the religion to protect you. It was simple like that. Muhammad bin Saud, he was looking for power, uh, looking for, he wanted to have some rule. And Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab, he was also looking for uh, power because he was in difficulty with his father and uh, he struggled with his father, and his father kicked him out of the house because of religious views. If, uh, they, are, they have different religious views. So they came together, and they said to people, they are Bedouins and they don't have lots of knowledge. This is the religion, and you must fight with this new ruler, because this new ruler, he will protect the religion and he will fight the uh, wrong things came to your religion and he will uh, help you to, um, how can I say, he will help you to retain you to the real Islam and you need to unite it with him to go to paradise. So large number of people, they inspired by that and they went to him and they fought it with him. And when they fighted the Saudi tribes, they, they were saying to the, about Saudi tribes, those tribes, they are non-Muslims because they are, there's lots of things they are claim it's out of Islam and if you do it, you are non-Muslims. And they fight people and they say it, and this is one thing very important in the Wahhabism. And they said, if there's someone different than you, or have different religion than you, you are free to fight him because the different religion. So they fighted those people because they have different opinion in the religion. And later on, they fighted some tribes, they said because they are allies with the Ottomanic Empire in Turkey and the Ottomanic Empire, they are not Muslims. And anyone allies with the Ottomanic Empire, we must fight the, uh, them because if you are not fighting with non-Muslims, that means you are not Muslims as well. So it's like chain. So they fight it with, with them. Later on, in the 
it's just destroyed and they lost the power for the Saudi government in Saudi Saudi Arabia 2, then the Saudi Arabia 3, when Abdul Aziz bin Saud, the father for King Salman, started uh, the new Saudi, when he started his fight again, and he used the same elements and the same tribes as well. Later on, when he started to be ally with UK, his people, the people they fighted with him, they, they asked him, okay, you told us if you ally with non-Muslims, that means you are not Muslims and we need to fight you. And we fighted people because they are ally with Ottoman Empire. He said, yeah, yes, but UK, they are ally with us. So at this time, they recognize there is issue and they have been used. Part of the Wahhabism, they haven't updated with the new version of the Wahhabism because he published a new version for them. Some of them they update and some of them they refuse. Then he published a fatwa, uh, not some, uh, Abdul Aziz himself, but the Wahhabism, they published a fatwa. They said, anyone not listen to the ruler, we need to fight him. Then they fight the old Wahhabism. They call them Ikhwam and Ta'ala, then they fight it, them and they, uh, they get rid of those people who not uh, have updated. Uh, at that time, th th this is the started with between Wahhabism and Saudi Arabia. Uh, one important question. As human rights defenders, we believe in freedom of religion, whether they are Wahhabism or anything. So Wahhabism, they are free to be Wahhabism, but the issue, they must accept others. And this, this, this is the issue with us. They must accept others and not publishing fatwa to kill people because they are different. Right now, one of the most famous mufti or scholars for the Saudi regime and uh, one of the people who is very close from Mohammed bin Salman, his name Saleh Al-Fawzan, he's a very extreme person. Mohammed bin Salman always talking about Saleh Al-Fawzan. He said, this is our mufti, this is our scholars. And this is our guardians, and we follow Saleh al-Fawzan. Recently, he published a fatwa, and he said the government must kill everyone against the regime. And he said it's difficult to kill one or two or three or ten. It's difficult, but it's much better uh, than not having stability. If they keep criticizing the government, this is not will bring the stability. So the government is free to kill them. Another person, he said, the ruler is allowed to kill uh, the third of the population, not more than third, to guarantee the, the, the stability for the others. But he allowed to kill the third. Don't ask him until he killed the third of the population of the, of the country. So uh, this is the, the relation between them. Yeah, and this is make us angry from the Wahhabism. They don't allow the difference between people and they don't accept the, uh, the different opinion. I, I don't like to cut you short there, but I have to you know, be, okay. watch the time. So I think we have to switch over okay. to answer three minutes to question of, on Sweden and okay. arms. The, the arms deal, it's, it's very important to stop the arms deal, but uh, it's suggested to have the, uh, the idea with the EU that will make it more stronger and more effective. But as a moral thing, from any country, they must stop also if there is trouble uh, regarding to the business. If they lose business, but they uh, win and gain the, the moral, 
the human rights is more important than the money for anyone. Uh, but I'm just talking, if they are united, they will not lose also money and they will, no, they will lose nothing. But in any case, if they are not united or if any case, if they lose money, it's fine if they are supporting the human rights. Everyone must stand with the human rights, not the, with the interest. Uh, the, the reform and the constitution. Uh, yes, you are right. The, the reform must start from the basic to write the constitution and to write uh, the codification law and to give the people the freedom of speech, to give them the fundamental rights. This is the basic things. And to, uh, by claiming the Quran is the constitution, it's completely not work. It's completely lying to the people because it is Quran, it's holy book. It's not right. Uh, it's not a political book. Uh, one example, when you say the Wahhabism and Saudi regime uh, protecting each other, in the Arab Spring, when there is a revolution and people asking for demonstration, they published fatwa the Wahhabism. They said the, pro, uh, pro, uh, the demonstration is forbidden because the ruler and the government, they are not allowed. If they are not allowed, it's forbidden. And the government, they said, we are not allowed because the Mufti say it is forbidden. So. Thank you for sharing these insights into a volatile society. Now it's time to give the floor to Andrea Bodekur from Amnesty International, Sweden, and Johannes Moskin. I think you have two minutes each. Only, so be sure. But you can stay here. Thank you very much. Oh, yes, of course, I will switch. Thank you, Bitt, and uh, special thank you to, to Yahya Asiri. It was very interesting to, to listen uh, and to, to share the knowledge that you have. My name is Johannes Moskin, and I'm Director of Communications at the Right Livelihood Award Foundation. We're co-organizing this event today uh, because, as you know now, Abdullah Al-Hamid, Walid Abu Al-Khair, and Mohammed Al-Kahtani are three of the recipients of the 2018 Right Livelihood Award. Um, they received this award for their visionary and courageous efforts guided by universal human rights principles to reform the totalitarian political system in Saudi Arabia. And something which is important with this award is that it's not only a medal that you then bring with you. Um, we promise our, all our laureates long-term support and, and have a special program for those who are under threat for the work that they do. And we will not rest until our three Saudi laureates are free. Together with Amnesty International, we're organizing a campaign. I'll lead the word to Andrea. We hope that you will, that you will back this campaign and join the call for, for human rights and dignity in Saudi Arabia. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, thank you so much, Yahya, for giving your speech. It's really giving picture of what is happening in Saudi Arabia. The three are just a few of all those who are detained in Saudi Arabia. And since their arrest, the authorities, they have continued to arrest, prosecute, and imprison human rights defenders, and among them, brave human rights 
defenders like Sama Badawi and a number of other women. They have cha challenged the ban on women driving cars and the guardianship system. Government critics, bloggers like Raif Badawi, the brother of Sama Badawi, and uh, also related to Walid, that's his wife, Samar, writers and political activists. And most have been sentenced after grossly unfair trials. Amnesty International has been working for the release of these three and for others for several years. And we have local groups around the world, including in Sweden, who are working tirelessly campaigning uh, for their freedom. And today, you can contribute to this work by signing the joint petition, this one that is outside here, um, and calling for their freedom. And after this seminar, we will go to the Saudi Arabian embassy that is just a few blocks away from here and hand over this petition. And we also have this petition on the website of Amnesty International where you can sign it. And at the end of that period, I think it's 3rd December, we would send the petition to, uh, to the crown prince, to the king who is in power, uh, who can release them. So please sign the petition and thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Andre and Johannes. And now it's just time to give a heartfelt thanks to our main speaker, Dr. Yahya Asiri, and to the wife of uh, Dr. Kahtan. It's, we thank you for coming here and for sharing your insights. Thank you very much. Find us on www.ui.sc. We are also on Facebook and on Twitter with UI Sweden. And we're also on YouTube where you can watch our seminars and interviews.